It is Sam's Sermons. It's another episode of What Do I Do Now? And this episode in particular was done after a celebratory dinner. And you understand why it was a celebration and also a farewell for now uh, to a great friend of mine. And this episode is definitely one that um, was brought to you by the McBride Sisters, Sparkling Brute. Supporting black businesses. That's what we were doing. And um, if you know, you know. And if you don't, you better ask somebody. So here's the latest episode, Elevate, right here on the What Do I Do Now podcast. It is What Do I Do Now. This is the only episode I'm actually going to do with people inside the same room because I trust you with my life. And if we have the Rona, we're just going to have it. But anyway, um, there's no Rona. I'm not going to speak that into existence. No, we don't not. have the Rona. We are COVID-free. Yes. Um, but I'm going to introduce everybody in the room. This is my Ball State core here in Atlanta. Um, one of us is getting ready to leave. But I have Kyrie Shockley. I have Kirsten White. And I also have Brad Gray. And um, all they all are from Nat. I'm the only one that's the oddball out from Kokomo. Nat Town three one seven what's that? Yeah. Uh, so basically, the thing is that we all share is that we all went to college together um, at Ball State University. Shout out to uh, good old Joe Angora. Sure, sure. Um, we're gonna shout out to uh, everyone that's listening. That everyone to Ball State ever you know part of Ball State, the whole nine. And the whole premise of my podcast is what do I do now? And we all had a situation where. We had the choice of staying in Indiana or taking a risk, coming down I seventy five and making it in Atlanta. So, um, Kirsten, I'm gonna start with you because I think you were the first person I actually showed Atlanta around to when you came to visit. Yep. And we went to breakfast and the whole nine. Sure did. So. Went to this is it. Yeah, we went to a lot of places. We did. We, <laughs> this is it. Silver skillet. Like we we did yes, it. Yes, silver skillet is fire. Look here. I I, don't, I, I mean I made it. sure whenever it's my so people. Bop. My, my, when people come into town, I make sure they have a good time. And um, for you, Kirsten, what made you move to Atlanta? What was like? What was your what do I do now moment coming from Indianapolis? Well, I know in Indy, my whole thing was Indiana is very comfortable. It's so easy to get so complacent there because a lot of people in Indy don't have that drive that you need to push yourself. And after a while, I was like, I'm not going to make anything of myself here. I got to go. As far as Atlanta being the option, it was black people. And nice weather. That was all I needed. And no snow. That's all I wanted. Atlanta had all three of those things. That's true. Atlanta has the type of people that push themselves, whether they're faking it or not. They make it look good. So it's like, let me come down here and figure out how to make it a reality for myself, not a facade. I wanted to make it a reality, and here we are. Got you. So when, when did you move down here? I moved down here uh, February of 2014. Uh, yeah, February 14th. Got you. Yep, my job had actually got shut down. They gave us a severance. I was like, well, <laughs> it's time to go. That was the sign I needed. I was like, cool. And yeah. I, I took it and left. Got you. Kyrie. Yeah. All right. So tell me how you made your way to Atlanta and what was your decision making in that process? Sure. Mine was more dramatic, um, of course. I was working at a digital consulting agency downtown Indianapolis, and I had a boss who was a hater, and she fired me um, after my lunch break. And <laughs> I was, like, devastated by the whole thing, and my mom was like, it's okay, you're going to get another job. And I was like, I can get a job anywhere, so I'm just going to go and move to Atlanta, because I never, ever planned on living in Indianapolis I never planned on raising a family in Indianapolis. I was either going to go to Chicago or Atlanta. And I chose Atlanta because it was further away from home. 
and it had better weather, as Kirsten said. Yes. Plus, I had just got out of a toxic relationship. I had found out that my ex was cheating on me like a month prior. So I had no boo. I had no job. So I figured, why not? I packed up all my stuff in my car. I had $78 to my name. And I drove mm. to Atlanta and stayed with my aunt. So, yeah. Plus, you know, with my career, it's it had, I felt like I was going to have better job opportunities down here. Okay. And Brad, for you... Um, Coming to Atlanta, how was the transition from Indy um, for career-wise, for yourself personally? What was that like? First off, let's talk about Kyrie and the faith that she had to get down here. You know, gas tank on me, but all drinks on me. Mm, literally. That's what it was. $78 to my name, okay? That's, that's faith. That's <laughs> faith, faith. Um, so, for me, my situation was a little bit different because I was coming from, um, I just changed career paths. So I went from being in news to teaching. And I realized I'm really team fuck them kids. Amen. So Same. Teaching was not going to be it. So I was I was at a crossroads in general. And there was an opportunity. There were a couple opportunities. I had a couple job offers in Indianapolis. had a job offer in Atlanta. And it kind of goes back to kind of what, what everybody's already said. It's like, do you want to stay in Indy where you're comfortable? You know everybody. You know your side of town. You know... You know exactly what time to get the long so that you don't end up messing with the, the line. Mm-hmm. You know exactly, you know, where you're going or whatever. Or do you want to try something new and really try to branch out? And, you know, God just gave me the opportunity to come down here to Atlanta and, you know, really plant my feet into, like, growing as an individual. You know, I was in a relationship at the time. You know, it didn't work out. But, you know, it was it was difficult. But, you know, I mean, it was it was good growth for myself. It was good growth. For her, it was good growth for for everyone in the situation, and now you know we're spreading the wings and flying on somewhere else. So, all right, I guess I don't think I've ever like really went to death. Like people know who I stayed with when I got down here. Like in a very similar situation as Kyrie. Like my thing is, I had an internship set up with V One Three, but the person I was gonna stay with, my uncle, was just like, "Hey, we just took in my mother in law. Like, there's no room." Mm-hmm. So about a week prior to me finishing summer school at Ball State, I had nowhere I was gonna live. So I was fortunate enough to just like special thank you to Moses and Jasmine Jones. Um, we they hadn't even got married yet. They were just like you know they were doing that thing, but they had been long term relationship, living in the same complex, and I was living with Jasmine. And I literally got, packed everything up in my in my Saturn view at the time, three hundred dollars, and that was to make sure they had like whatever rent I was gonna be able to pay them before I got a job and work an internship. So. It's literally like when you leave a very, very comfortable situation, because let's be clear, I didn't have any radio prospects in Indy at all. Couldn't get a call back in TLC, still love them to the day, working the same company as them now. Couldn't get like anyone to even pick up the phone. So Indiana wasn't a viable option, and I couldn't get love in my, in my own land at that time. At times, I still feel that at moments, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, but coming down here and basically just understanding, like, Atlanta's a place where a lot of black professionals can thrive. It's a uh, community where if you want to work hard, there are people like, okay, well, I'm going to make sure you get to where you need to go. There are mentors that are willing to open the door for you if you want to walk through it. Yeah. And it's all about walking through it yourself because at the end of the day, nothing is ever handed to any of us Ooh, at this specific particular moment. <laughs> So to get to where we are, at least for me, it was like I had to make it. 
um, my two best friends, Mikey and Pat, was like, we gonna make we gonna make sure you ain't gonna fall because they had already gotten into your careers and already figured out what they're doing. So I felt like I was bringing up the rear in my immediate friends, and regardless, like not really having something set in stone. But I knew I wanted to do radio. I knew I had to do radio and to go to a station like V103 that I had only heard of, but I knew that they were like the biggest thing in the Southeast. It made sense. So I made it make sense. I interned. I was hustling shoes on the side. I was a substitute teacher in Marietta City Schools. You gotta, you got, you just gotta make it work down here. Because no one in Atlanta, when you first move here, you don't have one job. And no. I don't think people really understand that. Like, you gotta have multiple hustles. Yeah. You gotta have multiple streams of revenue to really make it. Now, Atlanta's a very low end. If you if you ain't got a lot of money, you can make that money stretch. But to live comfortable, to do everything you want to do, you gotta have multiple streams yeah. of revenue. Mm-hmm. You have to. Yeah. So, in some, I really want to open this up to everyone right now is what has Atlanta brought out of you that you didn't have in Indianapolis? That you didn't have at Ball State? Mm. Can I go first? Go ahead, yeah. right <laughs> Okay, so there's a story that I like to tell people about what Atlanta taught me. There's a group at Ball State called Today's Black Women. And TBW, I remember, shout out. Um, as, you know, as a student, you know, as a male, I used to want to go there and, and support them and stuff like that. And I remember having a conversation about Tyler Perry movies, right? And I'll admit, you know, my early 20s, I used to shit on Tyler Perry because... I looked at Tyler Perry, and you know, because I mean, the, most of his movies are, are are poo. They are poo. They're trash. But mm-hmm. he he knows his audience, and he produces for his audience, right? And I just remember one of the times though being really upset about why did I get married because of the in my eyes coming from Indianapolis, Indiana, and a blue collar family and all that. I didn't find it feasible to think that four groups of friends could have the careers that these people had. Mm-hmm. And until I got to Atlanta and understood that what I'm looking at. I, you know, I look at it as the anomaly in Indianapolis. That's the norm, norm here. here. Mm-hmm. And I never understood that. The excellence of Atlanta, the black excellence that you can that you can be around at any point in time to understand why a movie like that is so important. It gave me a newfound respect for Tyler Perry. Mm-hmm. A newfound respect for us as, as black people who, you know, progress in their careers and stuff like that. And then it made me really just have to... It put into perspective my own personal ideas of the the glass ceiling that I had based on the circumstances around me. Mm-hmm. So that's what Atlanta did for me. It broke that glass, like it shattered the glass ceiling. It said, oh, we can really do this shit. Tyler Perry has a city in Atlanta. <laughs> yes. Where he shoots stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we yes. can do this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, so yeah, that that was what it, Atlanta just gave me this, this view of black excellence that I, I never would have gotten anywhere else. I always say this saying Indiana raised me but Atlanta made me mm-hmm. and I say that because the one thing that Atlanta brought out of me was the fact that I am super resilient um, I didn't realize that I was could have such a bounce back I mean I went from living with my aunt and uncle for a year to being, you know, severing some family ties, you know, like you have family members, but you don't really know who they're like until you live with them. So that was the situation for me. So, you know, leaving them and then hopping from roommate to roommate to roommate for like a year to being homeless all summer 2017, living out of my car, um, to landing my first like major job in my career field, like, All of that happened within my first two years of living in Atlanta. And 
I had the option of going back to Indianapolis. Um, my mother definitely was like, no kid of mine lives in their car. <laughs> um, and we do really good for ourselves in Indianapolis. You can just come back here, get on your feet, and then you can move back to Atlanta whenever. But it was just something about the city and about the hustle and about the grind. I was just like, no, this is going to be a great comeback story. And I have to stay here because if I leave here, I'll probably never get this character development anywhere else and so I chose to stay here and do the struggle but I mean the worst lowest moments of my life have been in Atlanta but it has created such a drive and such an ambition that I didn't know I had and it's just like I am unstoppable I don't think about anything else I have faith that is like stupid crazy um all because of the resilience like I've never seen such a bounce back but I literally went from homeless to being one of the most top performers in my department within the first 90 days of my uh, previous job. So, like, I've really grown to know myself, trust on the Lord, and, like, really dig in and grind into my craft. And I feel like Atlanta did that for me. You're not lying. No. Right. I guess just to kind of piggyback off of that, as far as what Atlanta has taught me, I didn't really know what I was capable of until I came down here, honestly. Just Mm -hmm. knowing... Being comfortable in Indy, having your parents there to support you no matter what. My parents went as far as saying, like, if it don't work out, like, you can always come, come back. back home. It wasn't like mm-hmm. a, okay, well, don't come back if you leave. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Right. But as much as I appreciated them for that comfort and for that support, at the same time, I was like, see, that's my problem, though. I get comfortable very easily. And I am lazy. I'm one lazy son of a bitch. So <laughs> it's like, I, just, I had to go. But coming down to Atlanta, I, it's something about Atlanta that just like ups your drive. And you need that to make it here. Atlanta will eat you alive. So it's like, if you come down here, you don't have a plan or you don't have like at least the drive and the determination to do what needs to be done in order to stay here, <laughs> you might as well just go back home. And I didn't know what I was capable of until I came down here and didn't have any choice but to do it. Going home wasn't an option. I didn't know what I was capable of. I didn't know who this Kirsten was that I was introduced to when I got here. But I was like, oh, I like this bitch. So here we are. Like, <laughs> here we are six, what, six years later now? I just accepted my first big girl job. Being around people that had, like, gone um, past their bachelor's degree. I'm sitting there like, well, I can do that. I mean, it just it makes you want to do better. Mm-hmm. And when you start doing better, that's a very addicting feeling mm-hmm. knowing that you can sit here and knock out your masters without telling somebody you're sitting here knowing that you can get a whole apartment in like one of the areas of Atlanta you've dreamed of living in ever since you got here oh for four let them know oh, I love oh for let them know where I, I, live. I, do. I just moved down there and then on top of that getting um that first big girl job that you're just proud to tell people that you've got all of these things happen within the span of what 2020 as horrible of a year as this was 2020 has been good to me for personal reasons so mm-hmm. i can't complain but again none of these things would have happened had i not figured it the hell out when i got down here all right and kirsten i definitely want to take this time right now because i remember if it's not mistaken it was for your birthday and you had an app that you were launching yes and yeah. when you you were we were sitting in the club and like it's live and i remember like being dumb excited for you i need you to like plug your app right now <laughs> because my thing is real talk like we don't champion enough for ourselves enough right so my thing is like as someone that knows you someone that loves you someone that cares about you i'm like i'm absolutely gonna ride for you no matter what so i need you to like right now on this podcast <laughs> tell the people where they can get your app Especially if you're down here in Georgia, because they absolutely need Especially it. Especially if you're down here in Georgia. So the name of the app is the Black Market mm-hmm. GA. Georgia. Only Georgia for now. For now. But um, 
Yes, that that's my baby. That app came about. Actually, shout out to you, Sam, because you are the reason that I actually went public with it in the first place. I had been working on that thing for over a year in silence. I mean, I didn't tell nobody, maybe two or three people, but I was talking to you that night. <laughs> that's what made me go ahead and be like, all right, I'm going to go ahead and tell them. But yeah, yeah, it's called The Black Market. It's just a directory of Black-owned businesses credible ones here in Georgia. You got to be careful down here, but here in the state of Georgia, um, and it's not just Atlanta. I think that's where the frustration um, came from for me to create it was because all the ones that I tried to utilize, all the ones that were already created, they only focused on Atlanta. Atlanta I mean, Georgia is Atlanta, but there are There's other stuff OTP. parts of Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. So yeah, I think we've got over, over 600 businesses in there now. Come on, and, with the and, that's, and that's one thing that even when it comes to this, I've been very like close to the cuff with exactly what I'm doing this podcast for and understanding like you can't let everyone in on your dream before it really manifests itself because there's absolutely people like, why are you even doing that? I don't even, like there's other people that's got that. They got Google this thing. Yet. Like it's really and even when it comes to this podcasting thing, because at the end of the day, everybody has a microphone. Everybody has, you know. Out, you know, the whole not like it's it's now almost enormous, especially not right now in this pandemic. But it's just something I know that's just like this is going to turn into something. And for me, this project and also the first and 15th that I'm doing on social media is about ownership. And that's what I'm really learning right now in 2020 is that, you know, you see people that are like, oh, well, you recognize this person associated with this brand, but they don't own it. So when you're at a versus battle and you're waiting to hear the Moesha theme song, Moesha can't sing her own song because she doesn't own it. So I don't want to be in that position where I create something, but it's it belongs to someone else. So right now, I'm recording this stuff on my phone right now. This belongs <laughs> to me. When I put this out, it is not going to be through any of my businesses, anything like that, anyone I represent. It's going to be on my own. I am manifesting and also reinvesting into myself where I have my own microphone and laptop in that bag over there. Come on. Just in case if I need to first pop up and this, that, and the other. It's all about ownership. And that's one thing that 2020 has given me, but it's also something I've been watching. Like my mentor, Ryan Cameron, owns everything he's putting out. And his deal that he worked with, um, with the with the radio station is the 360 deal. So it's not just radio. He's also doing digital content. He's also doing TV content. I'm trying to get to that point where I can start l making ways and opportunities for those that I work with because I know everybody in that has a special talent and I'm trying to put them on. I'm not trying to keep myself in a position where I'm just like, all right, I'm going to hold the ball. I'm going to Russell Westbrook this situation. I'm a James Harden this. I got to shine. I'm like, no, because I'm going to keep dishing it out. I got to dime to this person because they, they do this digital thing. I got to dime to Kyrie because she does the writing. I got to dime to motherfucking Kirsten because she's got the app already developed. And if I need to get some black business on this podcast, I know what app I need to use for this. And I got to send a huge assist to Brad because at the end of the day, for me to move to California, if Brad doesn't do what he does, I'm stuck in a money pit. And I'm paying for two apartments that I that I can only live in one. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's all about helping the next person out. And everyone in this room right now, I love them in a special way because they've been there for every high, every low, everything in between, things seen and unseen, stuff behind the scenes that people will never, ever, ever really understand. But these, these are my real writers from day one, my A1s, I love them to death. Yeah, and right now, I definitely want to have Brad give me um, his news that he's, by the time this comes out, everyone's going to see it manifest and this, that, and the other. But um, 
I had come back over here last week and I had to pick up some stuff that you still had from when I moved out and went to California. You saw some of my stuff and you were telling me about all this and what you're getting ready to do. And I want you to tell your story, bro. Because when I tell you this, this journey you just started on this, when I say I can't be more excited for you, bro, like I, I need you to share this. I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate it, man. First off, commend you because you're following your passion and your purpose and you're putting it, like you said, into your own. Um, you're making it your own, right? You don't have to give this to anyone else. No one, no one else gets to put their hands and tell you how to produce this, how to do whatever. Like this is this is your thing. So that's the most important thing. We've we've talked about that, you know. Um, on my end, um, you know, I applied for this job. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't. I don't want this to sound pretentious, but I wasn't necessarily excited about applying for the job. Right? I had a friend who is going to work for this company. He was like, "Hey, man, you know, they're hiring a lot of people for this position. You should go. You know, do whatever." So you know, I was like, "All right, man." So he sent me the thing. He told me the different people. Yeah, man, you know, it's, it's, it's easy. It's, it's, you know, should be easy to get for you. Go in and do the interview. Everything, of course, with the pandemic is over Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams and stuff like that. So I do the first interview. Interview's fine. Then uh, the guy's like, all right, well, uh, and, and, and the position is like a, it's, it's, it's what's called a zone manager. It, again, good position. It's a good position and a step up. I just wasn't excited. And I think I knew I wasn't excited. So I get uh, I get the writing test. He was like, you know, this this guy's the the manager or whatever. He's like, yeah, we liked you during the interview. We just need you to do a writing test, and then from there, you know, we'll let you go. From you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. So the writing test is like forty five minutes. You gotta rewrite four stories or whatever. So like, I'm incredibly anxious when I take this test. I struggle. I actually took a little bit over an hour to take it. So I sent it back to him. I just knew right then and there because it was an hour late. I'm not gonna get this job day later I get an email from the news director of the uh, the station and she's like hey you know we'd like your writing test you know I'd like to do another interview with you I was like oh okay because it was fine get into the interview with the lady she's like I'm bullshitting we loved your writing test but I don't have any writing positions open but you know if you would like to do this you know we take that 24 hours later she says fuck it we'll create the position for you holla We'll create. What? We'll create. Keep, this can you say that one more time, just to make sure? Like people may miss this. So I, before I, you continue <laughs> the story, I there was that. so forty-eight hours when you first applied. You applied for one position. They consulted you like, "Hey, we like this, but still apply for this." The next day, they're saying, "You know what? We're going to we're going to what? Tell we're them one more time." To, so she said, "We're going to create." this position and make room in our budget yes. to have this position. Come on, guy. You better when make room. You, when I when I tell you like, you know, I'm not a I, I'm not a perform I'm not an emotional performative person. But the praise dance that was done throughout this <laughs> living room Amen. and throughout this bedroom and this Amen. living room. Yeah. I don't I, like God is amazing. I don't. I don't know what more. What more else I could say outside of, you know, God will make room for your talents. Yes, there will be a space for you to cultivate your talents and for them to shine. And that's what happened in my position. This lady believed in me. At the end of the day, she said, "You know what? 
I don't know you. I have only heard your voice, seen you through your camera screen. I don't know anything about you, but I'm going to trust in the ability of what I see, the talent that I see in whatever in in this this small writing sample to hire you. I have never consistently written for a majority of my job my entire life. That's never been a part of my job. And now I'm going to a top three market in the United States of America to work on a national news show to write on a daily basis. That's nothing but favor and and, and, and somebody else having faith in you and somebody else having faith in you. I I almost can't even put into words like the joy that I feel and the the excitement that I have to move to make this move to to really be able to prove her right that she made the right decision to say hey we want you as a part of this team because that again I came in thinking I was going to do one thing God had a totally different plan for me and now you know mm-hmm. now I thought you was gonna be home. in the zone but not listen uh, here look, yeah, look, <laughs> okay look. going from and, and the thing is like and I want to remind people that Atlanta is still a top 10 market. I don't yeah. want that to be lost yeah. in translation. Exactly. Like the, the where we are as professionals is a blessing. It's also to be a black professional in a black setting is very, very special. Mm-hmm. But to get elevated to a point of that level, to top three, because at the end of the day, baby. and let me keep this respect, every decision that you see and that's, that's made, whether it be on TV, radio, media, it comes out of three places. New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago. Chicago. You're going to be in Chicago working for WGN. And again, like that's a testament to not only how talented and brilliant you are and the journey it's taken for you to get here, but the faith in knowing like your purpose was never like put to the side. It was never ever put like, I remember you were a teacher over at Ben Davis. Bro, you went to your old high school. To hold it down, you've done it all, bro. Like at the end of the day, to be where you are right now is not by accident. It's not by coincidence. It's, it's like by the, purpose. It's by purpose. Purpose. And on that, let me let me give a quick shout out to the S Hall with Mr. Goins and Mr. Easter, Miss Sinclair back in the day, and Mr. Haviland, who all from my sophomore year on pushed me to say, "Look, you got if you gonna do this, you gonna do this," and they have faith in me, and I. Got to give a shout out to my pastor who had faith in me as a kid. And you got to give you got to give a shout out to the people there at Ball State at CCIM, like Mr. Hyphen yes. and Susie, yes. and and you know Lori Byers, and of course the the uh, incomparable Dr. Maria, uh, Dr. You know, Maria Hawkins, yes, pushed me. You know what I mean? Like all when you look at it, like all of our success is a is a is a testament to the work that those people have put into us. You know what I mean? Those people who really like breathe life into our dreams. And just wanted to help mold us to become what it is that we wanted to become. So it's it really starts with them, man. Like that's you know, it, it it comes from their leadership and their 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 desire to to really want to see you do something. You know what I mean? So I, I ain't got nothing but love for my people there, man. And it's really taking the village for us to succeed the way we have. Because I think at some point in time, we've all had to lean on each other for. Whatever the case may be. I moved back from California. I'm like, Brad, my situation not set up yet. I just need to crash at your place yep. two or three days until I get back on my feet with my best friend. Kyrie, I'm calling you out from California. Like, I'm dealing with this. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with that. Like, in my relationship and just trying to figure out how to navigate through that. When I tell you, Kirsten 
And the thing is, I didn't really know Kirsten probably till about my junior years. So I was on our campus and whatnot. And from the moment I started, Slacking them heels. my yes, <laughs> yes. Talk about it. Talk about it. But from the moment I started doing radio, when I say like, I guarantee she's been like one of the first people like to consistently tune in. Week in, week out, with sweet every trending to topic. Every Look, I mean, we stay getting a shout out. And then the facts, <laughs> the facts, and it's really about the support you get from those that really understand. So when Kyrie's, you know, working in her field and working in her craft and working as a young professional now and doing her thing and got a whole board member role and whatnot. Yes. She's doing her thing. Leading, the simple. Oh my goodness, like. I Shout out to the Urban League. Yes, <laughs> incredible. Yeah. When Kirsten says, I'm going back to school for this Masters, I'm like, you're better than I am. And me. But All three of us I'm, combined. I'm so, I can't tell you how proud I am. Like that, that hustle to still work a whole full-time job okay. and still get your degree and get develop your app at the same time. Like that took focus, that took patience. That's a sacrifice. And when I tell you, I'm just happy to see where you are now and hearing that you got your big girl job now on, and you're doing your job. thing. Big girl draws. And <laughs> all of it. Yeah. All of it. And now just, you know, we're the thing is right now we're celebrating, you know, Brad leaving. We we've done this before when I when I left for California. Yes. And um it's just it's been a great night of just celebrating and laughing and joking and I know we're in a whole pandemic, but I'm with the real people that get it. I'm with the people that I would literally go to war over. It don't matter, like, if the DA from the United States of America is saying, like, oh, they doing this. I'm like, nope, I know them. I'm not with it. I'm going to die for this person. Like, straight up, these people are my real-life brother and my real-life sisters. And if they need anything, they know they can call me. If I need anything, I know I can call on them. And it's been a blessing to have, you know, really grown together and to, you know, Get to that thirty club. Some of us, are, you know, getting right across into that. Oh, that, that, that I'm that, on my way. That thirty Make club sure. is special. But I'm special. still twenty nine right now. That thirty club is special. <laughs> and when I tell you, and for the young ladies that are still here in the room, that are you know very skeptical on thirty, when I tell you, it's a beautiful feeling. It is a life changing situation that it opens your eyes in so many other areas. And if you think you've really achieved something now, it's just like. Oh, I know the, my the glow just, up is happening in my 30s. Oh, the 20s was trash. Oh, okay. The, and that's just what it is. The, the, the 20s, 20s were trash. You, you have to learn in those 20s. You have to. Absolutely. And the thing is, all the mistakes you made in your 20s, you absolutely don't make in your 30s. 30s. Mm-hmm. So it's really been a training ground. It's like I keep seeing on Twitter, it's like your 30s is just your 20s with money. Like, you, that's all it is. Come on with the money. And you get to travel more. You get to experience more. You take more risk and you take more chances. And I feel as if, like, our biggest chance and risk that we've taken is moving to Atlanta. Because, again, Mm -hmm. we were all very comfortable. We had our homes to fall back in because our family loves. We come from great family backgrounds. And I'm very, very grateful for Barbie and Jeffrey Sermons, Mary Sermons. I'm grateful for my parents. I'm grateful they're always going to be there. But into forging my own lane, to be able to start my own book in a whole different city Mm -hmm. is a risk. And that scares a lot of people because we come from a place where... You know what? I all I know is post row. All I know is you know guy on road. I'm I'm not going you know past my street. That's all I want to know, and to want to want to achieve more, to want to risk more. I love y'all so much for just get, being able to 
lean on and being able to be everything I need y'all to be. I no matter what the case may have been. I love y'all for real. We love you too. Love you, this is a one time only. I'm doing this in person because I don't trust nobody else in the Rona. Um, <laughs> but to end this podcast, Brad, um, I can't tell you how much of a testament it is to hard work. Amen. To really understanding favor and to really understand that God really has a hand in everything that we do. Because mm-hmm. to have, to interview for a position, they ask you to do something, you you just weren't that, you weren't secure in that. You still turned it in because you did the work at the end of the day. You still did the work. I want that to not be missed because you still did the work. It may not have been on time that they asked you to do it, but you still did it. And then they turn around, come at you 24 hours later, like, you know what? This job is not here. This was not what we foresaw for you. But we're going to make provisions for you. Mm. We are going to put you in the position that you didn't apply for, but you fit the mold for. And that alone is just incredible. Thank you for just giving me the extra energy to keep going and what I'm trying to do. Absolutely. So. I'm going to wrap this podcast up. Any last words? Let them know how they can follow you on the social media. All of that. Uh, yes, I'll start. Uh, Old Man Gray across the board. O-L-D-M-A-N-G-R-A-Y. Uh, it might have some underscores under that in the, on Twitter, I think. But on Instagram, that's where I'm, I'm at locally. You know, uh, mostly uh, Old Man Gray. Oh, okay, so my Twitter, what is my Twitter, y'all? <laughs> my Twitter, it, it's been the same since college. Classy with the K. Yeah. Bunch of underscores all up in that thing. <laughs> Instagram, uh, Curves and Coils, spell it with a K, it's the only way. And Facebook is just basically, you don't want me on your Facebook, don't even worry about that. Lord. <laughs> Timeline killer. Y'all okay. don't want me on that Facebook. Facebook is only for family, so I won't there be giving that out. But you can follow me on Instagram at that's Kyrie. So T H A T S dot K Y R E E. And y'all don't need me on Twitter. I'm a whole fool. So just Instagram is fine. No. No. All right, but I appreciate y'all doing this very spur of moment podcast because I said I was going to do something special. I didn't tell you exactly what because I wanted to be as raw and organic as possible. Um, again, thank y'all. Shout I don't, I don't out know. to us. Yeah. The four birds that flew, flew south. south. <laughs> we had to. And one's getting ready to fly back <laughs> up to the Midwest, back, but it's all good. good. I got y'all beneath my wings. Y'all the wind beneath my wings. Absolutely. Point, so. We love Absolutely. you. Yes. Oh, yes. So, another episode will be coming in about a week. I appreciate y'all tuning in. Make sure y'all follow them. Don't act stank and bougie and this, that, and the other. Y'all ain't too good to follow, folks. Um, yeah, and that's it. Bye. Thank you for all the support that everyone keeps continuing to show the podcast, sharing it, subscribing it, reaching out to me personally on my social medias. I appreciate the love. Make sure you're telling somebody to tell somebody. Because this is everywhere. Anchor, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, everywhere. So make sure you're sharing. Make sure you're subscribing. I appreciate all the love again. I don't take this for granted. I'm going to keep coming with great episodes. I got a lot of guests still on this season. We just getting started. It is What Do I Do Now Podcast with your host, Sam Sermons. I'll see you next episode.